Everybody want to know what I would do if I didn't win. I guess we'll never know. Imagine making a difference. No, imagine being the difference. The difference between I can't and I can or I won't and I will. The reason someone chooses to wake up and strive for greatness. In life, it can feel like everything is working against you. Let's defy all odds and break generational curses. This is Overstepping Poverty with Daquan and Zacchaeus. Welcome back to Overstepping Poverty, the podcast that provides you with tips, tricks, and hacks in Overstepping Poverty. My name is Daquan Brooks, and I'm here with my co-host, Zakia Shaw. How are you doing, Zakias? I'm doing good, brother. You know, as always, another great day to be in the studio. Yes. Got a very special guest today. I'm excited to get into our interview. How have you been? I've been great. I've been looking at our social media pages, and I just like to reflect back and just kind of digest where we started into where we've come along. I know that's one thing that a lot of people uh, forget to do. You know, they forget Mm. to look back and see exactly what kind of path that they blaze. And also, of course, uh, whoever's following with them, continue to make sure that they're following and you take them with them through the steps, you know, towards the next, their next success and your next success. So um, we've been doing very well there and I really enjoy it. I think we're going to make a lot of change in the world. And that's what we're here for. So I, I feel great. Yeah. You know, I love numbers. And over the last, I think today it's probably about 31 days, but we hit over 50,000 uh, either people clicking on the profile, commenting, sharing, engaging. 59,000. Yeah. Which is crazy. And we only been doing this for like three, four months. So yep. super proud of that. And thank you guys for tuning in as always. But I want to get into our interview today. Like I said, we have a very special guest that I'm excited to pick his brain, kind of hear his story and give a platform for other people to have a different understanding or perspective of this man. He's an entrepreneur. Uh, He's from the West Coast, uh, lived in Sioux Falls for a while now, business owner. You probably see him every weekend. You guys go out uh, downtown. We have DJ Dante on the episode. Yeah. Thank you. What's man. going on, brother? Thank too much, man. Blessed, blessed. Appreciate you coming on. I know uh, we've been talking about it for a while, and the stars just aligned for us today. So I appreciate yep. you. For sure. I appreciate y'all having me, man, for real. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we want to get into it. You know, um, like Zakia said, very special person. You're a special individual. I always see you out whenever I'm out and I'm downtown having some fun with either friends, family or coworkers and whatnot over at Ben. I want to know exactly where did this all start? Where did things start for you to become your success? Tell me about your resume. My resume. I probably rapped since I was 12. I rapped my whole life and I just came to the conclusion that I was always the guy that popped the CD in your car. We going somewhere. I want the ox. I wanted you to hear something. (laughs) And I just truly said, man, you know what? I want a DJ, but I was always scared. I didn't know anything about DJing or the equipment was high. It was out of my price range. Mm -hmm. I just, I just didn't know what I wanted to do with it, but I know I knew I wanted to make people feel good with music. Yep, I right. like that. Before we get into that that journey of yours, I want you to take us back to when you were just a young, you know, young boy. Where did you? Where are you from? Kind of. How I'm did from you grow Los up? Los Angeles. 
Okay. Yeah, I'm from the Crenshaw District, Jefferson Park area. Oh, People yeah. don't know. A few blocks away from where Nipsey was from. Okay. So, wow. Yeah, I grew up there, man, and it was like like every other person that grew up in the hood, I would say. Yeah. You know, parents loved me. Parents always wanted me to do the right thing, but it was just something about the street life that gravitated to me and me wanting to be outside with friends and right. doing what they was doing and, you know, stuff like that. Then I fell into gangs, stuff like that. You know, At what age did you start to get into gangs? 12. 12 years old? Yeah. Wow. What kind of, if you can think back, what kind of led to that happening? Just truthfully being out, wanting to be outside. Mm. Just going outside, and when I got to go outside, seeing the things that everybody was doing and, you know, being a follower. Let's be real. It was being a follower. Because right. in Los Angeles... The gang culture is very high. You're going to either play sports, gang bang, or stay in the house. Right. You know what I mean? So As you transition from that, kind of take me through how you, maybe some of the, the struggles that you went through as you were growing up, especially in your teen years, and then kind of how you got to Sioux Falls. One thing that that led me to really jump out in the streets was my parents didn't have or wouldn't spend money on like the freshest clothes and stuff like that. And going to school is like you're being talked about, you're being joked on and right. you're not in the in crowd. So for a kid, that may turn you to, I don't want to go to school. Oh, right. these dudes ain't going to school. What these dudes doing? Then you start doing what these dudes are doing. Right. Not staying in class not listening, hanging out all night, running away from home, stuff like that. Then I was placed in foster care for a while. At what age? I think probably like 13, 13. 12, 13. Yeah, I was, it was ironic because my grandmother, I was running away from home and my grandmother was getting older. She couldn't like handle me. Right. So she had to call, like my mom wasn't around and my dad was in Louisiana at our family reunion. So it was nobody there to, like, control me. So she had to call social services, and mm. they took me. Damn. And about time my dad got back, I was already, like, f like fucking up, messing right. up. Yeah. Excuse me. Messing no, you're good. up in, in the group homes and stuff like that, so I had to stay longer. And I'm messing up more. So now you're going from group home to group home, because every group home I used to go to, I used to run away and go to my neighborhood. I would mm. just run away and go there, so... They tack on more time that I had to actually stay in there before my parents could get me back. Right. I end up committing a real crime with a gun, and I end up going to, like, jail, jail, like camp yeah. you know, and stuff like that. And I had this to where my parents couldn't get me out. I had to. Damn. You were still under 18 at that time? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. And this is in L.A.? Yep. Okay. I did my jail time, came home. Tried to do the right thing, work, stuff like that, still, but still involved in the streets, still wanting to go outside and be around the certain people that I wanted to be around. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, my boy, he was living in Minnesota, and a friend of his was living here. Mm. And she came and brought him here. Then he came to Los Angeles and told me to come here. <laughs> and I was like, South Dakota. Right. 
Uh, I come visit, so I brought two weeks of clothes. Came within the first week, I got my first baby mama pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> that was your way of staying. Yeah. So when I came here, my cousin had just got killed. Okay. So Back I didn't. Home? Yeah. So I really didn't know to keep it real. I didn't know how long I was gonna be alive. Mm. So me having a kid, it was like that. You know what I mean? I, right. I want to leave something on this earth. So I think, I don't know if that's the truth, but I think that's what it was. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So with that being said, came out here, had a baby. Me and a girl didn't work out. She, we just didn't work out. So I went back home. Okay. And I stayed home for a little while and my daughter was born. So I came back here to try to do the right thing and everything was cool for a minute. Then it didn't work out. Yeah. And, you know, me being from where I'm from and coming up here, not adapting to this place the way that I should have. Right. It got me in a little trouble. So why don't you tell us about like that kind of mentally? How was that for you? Because a lot of people never really realize, you know, the hurts and the troubles that we're going through at a young age and whatnot. We're trying to find, you know, that place. We're trying to adapt, you know, as, as much as we can. So I want to know exactly kind of like, you mentally, how was that for you going through those different phases? Well, I think I just wanted to be loved unconditionally. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be understood. Mm-hmm. Right. But I didn't understand myself, if that makes sense. Yes. You know what I mean? I didn't understand who I was or where I was going. Right. I just know that I was a young kid. I wanted to have fun. I like having fun, like laughing in a place where you can't really show your teeth. Right. You know what I mean? So it was just kind of hard mentally, but that's what, that's where the music came in. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. I sunk into the music. Like, so that was kind of like my outlet. Mm -hmm. Talking about the music and I kind of want to transition that, you know, talking about LA, talking about the music and a lot of what comes with the culture that you were that you grew up in. I kind of want to shift this a little bit to Nipsey Hussle because he, you mentioned him a little bit from basically the same place you're from. From your perspective, because I feel you have a different type of perspective on the whole situation just with it being so close to home, right? And and really knowing what it's like to grow up in those streets. What type of influence do you think that Nipsey Hussle had on not only you, not only the culture in LA, but really everywhere? For me, he was our modern day Jesus. Well, I'm just going to be real. Like he came from where we came from, but he transitioned and became who he became. And now his legacy lives on. Right. Like God. You know what I mean? Like God, like the things that he was preached. Like a lot of people don't understand California or West Coast music. They think it's all it's just gangbang rap and and a lot of it is, but there's still jewels being dropped within those lines. And I heard it from him as soon as I heard him rap. I just knew he was different. His his chain had Malcolm X on it. Like you right. have to know, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. He, he was just different. He and for me, he made me believe a little more in myself than I did as far as when I go in rooms with certain people and talk with certain people, now I feel more confident. Mm. When 
other times I, I just be like, oh, I'll sit back and you right. know what I mean, I let people talk to me and not engage in a conversation. Right. But now I know that my word means something when whoever I'm talking to, I can be talking to Obama. Right. And I feel like he put that battery in my back. Damn. Yeah. That's big because I know we talked about it a little bit and just the energy and the things that he was doing out in California, the things he was setting up with the tech and really trying to bring opportunities to that community that really hasn't been there. You know what I mean? I think that's something that I admire about him as well, because when I look at what he did, I felt like he just stood for, for one, really just being a good person, but for two, like really helping people change their mindset on things. And we're like looking at things a different way, but I appreciate you sharing that. Absolutely. And like from a fly on the wall, you, you see a lot of the music industry and a lot of the artists and whatnot, a lot of them, their entire objective, their entire thing that they want is the money. And with Nipsey, you could tell, like, as far as the messages that he was sending, it was all about the community. That's kind of how he operated and whatnot. And and it's crazy just to see how music can be such an influence on someone because it, it can take you out of, you know, obviously a piss poor mood and yep. put you in a good mood. It can take you and it can make you realize, like you were saying, you know, that confidence that, that it breaks barrier and it has its different effects on different people. Well, with him, he always traveled the world and I could tell I could see because like I said I had been listening to him since he came out mm-hmm. and I seen his transition and he spoke about it when he flew over to where he I don't know I don't want to say it wrong a reach a reach room. Eritrea. Mm-hmm. yeah he went over there and seen how, the, how his culture is mm-hmm. and he came back and started looking around like why are we doing this to ourselves right but I really believe that he went against the grain, man. California, Los Angeles culture, man, is a it's a hard culture, man, that's been planted in Los Angeles for many, many years. And it's hard to break that barrier within itself. It's right. hard. I, I just feel like he should have left, bro. I really do. And never went back to the hood or and, what? Hey, like 50 said, I wish I could run away and never come back. Yeah. I. So I feel like you take the hood with you. All your people. Like, I'm going over here. I bought a mansion over here. I'm living over here. I don't need to go back to the hood. I'm bringing the hood, the people that I love, that I think I need to go back for, I'm bringing them with me Mm. and showing them different. And once you start showing, then that seed can be planted in all of them. So then now you changing narratives for all those people versus you just going back to the hood, doing food drives and stuff like that. And people still stuck in the hood after you leave. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think the perspective I have on that though, is it was a sacrifice, you know, like he made that sacrifice. And although yes, directly, he would have probably still be alive today and he would still have his people that were around him. But I think with what he did, though, I think it left a way bigger impact on the world. Absolutely. For sure. For sure. You're right about that. For sure. Because when you look at all the people that really make real change in the world, it sucks. But it seems like most of them do get crucified or they do get killed, you know, when they are making that sacrifice for everybody. You know, when he died, I remember laying down. I'm pretty sure I was watching a basketball game. And got it on my phone, like, Nipsey Hussle just died. And I'm like, what? And I don't ever remember being, like, shocked 
like that when a celebrity died. So for me, I know he had a huge impact, but the things that he left and the things that we were doing, he was doing, I think gives a good blueprint to anybody who's trying to build a community up. Yep, absolutely. And this sounds like it was kind of your path in getting into DJing, correct? Yep. So why don't you tell us about that? How old were you when you started DJing? I've been DJing for about six years. Okay. Yeah, for six years. And I just, a friend of mine wanted to do like a food drive concert at Biggs. Mm. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to just buy the equipment. I'm going to just jump out the window. I'm going to try it. I'm going to do it. Right. And I did it that night. He ended up going to jail <laughs> that <laughs> night, but I ended up DJing a great show. And it gave me that confidence, like, you can really do this. So I'm self-taught, YouTube mm. videos, practice, stuff like that. It was just the drive to want to get better. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was like basketball, football, anything. I just, I was like, I want to get better. It's I like a craft. Do it. Yeah. yeah. And I love, I love music, man. Like music for me, it's music and then everything else for me because right. music can, Michael Jackson brought everybody together mm. and that's what music can do. Like it's not too many things that can bring every culture up under one building and music can do that for sure. hundred percent. Absolutely. How have you seen things change, especially in Sioux Falls? Cause you were rapping for a while. Now, obviously, you're DJing. You got a residency with Ben 201. So if you guys are ever, yeah, if you guys are ever going out, definitely be sure to check out Ben 201 and show some love. But yeah, how has things in Sioux Falls changed, as you would say, for like the music industry as a whole? Well, to be honest, to keep it real, (laughs) I got to be real. This place made me stop rapping. Why? Because it was like the rap scene was like high school. It was cliquish. It was like who's more popular, not who's a better artist, who's more popular. Right. And if this popular person don't like this popular person, then his fans can't like you. Right. Like it it was just that energy. Yeah, it was that weird energy. But now today I see these young kids working together, man. It's great, bro. It's great to see these young kids actually not caring about this and not caring about that and actually just coming together and doing things. Like, I got a project coming out with a group called MTW, Manifest the World. Okay. And it's just some young kids, and when I see them in a studio recording, everybody can hop on the song. there's There's no one person that says, oh, no, I don't want him on this song or mm. I think I'm better than him. Or it's like it, everybody just giving love and it right. is great, bro. What do you attribute that to, though? Like with before with people really not really being greedy, not feeling like there's an abundance. And when you talk about how those people kind of didn't want other people to follow other rappers, it's it's like they were scared that people were going to find out that they weren't really that guy. Right. <laughs> for sure. Um, right. For sure. So, like, sure. what would you say is the difference between that and what we have now? Because I see those guys too. So, you still have that. You still have that ticky tack stuff. I sure. see it on Facebook. I see people dropping shots and stuff like that, but it's still moving. Right. Like, it's still moving. Like, back when I was rapping, it was like somebody said something. So, it, it had to be handled right then and there. Now, 
It's like people say stuff on Facebook, and it's just like, yeah, whatever. Tomorrow, yeah, whatever. I'm still going to the studio. I'm still recording. Right. still shooting videos. I'm still doing shows. I just think these kids now have more of a drive to do the music versus listening to what other people say, if that makes sense. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. So staying on the DJ side of things, with you having done it for six years, I feel like I've seen you grow from the first time to where you're at now, what has changed in your business? Like what are some of the things that you've learned for somebody out there that's wanting to be a DJ, get into the game? What are some of the things that you learned along the way that maybe could help them out while they're starting? Well, the first thing is you don't know it all. Second thing is you're providing a service. Mm. Always remember that you're providing a service. This is not for you. This is for the people you're DJing for. Right. And just because you don't like it doesn't mean these people don't like it. So just be open. Okay. Step into different genres of music. You know what I mean? With me. So me, myself, I will never tell anyone that I'm a great DJ or I'm the best DJ or anything like that. I always need the knowledge. I need it's music that you know that I probably don't know because there's so much music being pushed out. And I ask people, send me your playlist. I don't have the greatest ears. I only got two. Right. So send me some stuff. Like, and I think that's where a DJ can stay sharp mm. and stay stay at the highest level. It's when you don't just settle like, oh, yeah, I got it. I got this music. I got this one set. I, I'm going to play this music. It's like, no, nah, man, music comes out every day, and you have to you have to at least have it. Yeah. Even if you don't listen to it, you have to at least have it. That's crazy. So my thing is I tell people I can DJ for your kids, and I can DJ for your parents and mm. in between. That's what I pride myself on, being able to DJ for anybody. Right. Especially because you are providing a service. Right. For sure. I like that. And with that being said, what is your overall mission? Well, my overall goal is I will have a FM radio station here. I like it. A hip hop. We consume too much hip hop here for the radio state. No shot, no disrespect to 104.7 or any other radio stations, but the hip hop culture is here. Yep. And I feel like we need to be heard. And I feel like we need to have a platform. Mm. And that's my goal, to have a FM radio station. I like that. I do as well. What would that bring to Sioux Falls as far as, I guess I think of when I go to other cities, you know, I do listen to the radio station, right? Because like you said, in other parts of the country, they may be listening to something that I never even heard of. So like, what is behind that? You so, wanted to bring that here. A friend of mine, DJ Tony Tone, we was having a conversation one day, and I was like, uh, man, like, I want to start a record company here, bro. It's a lot of great artists here. And he was like, nah. He said, I think you should look into radio station. I said, what, radio? I said, I did radio before. Like, why radio? Yeah. He said, because right when you have a radio station, they put on concerts. All those concerts, all those artists have to come for promotional, for the radio station playing their, their music. music. Mm. So what that will bring to this city, it will bring all those artists here, and this it will open up South Dakota because South Dakota is the only place on the map that these A-list artists don't stop. Right, They go to North Dakota. They go to Iowa. They go to Minnesota. They go to Nebraska. Yeah. 
they don't come here. What we have, Snoop Dogg and Lil Wayne. Yeah. It's messed up for these kids, and it's messed up for the people that really love the hip-hop culture. Like, I, I'll be sick of listening, having to get in a car, and sometimes I'm driving, got to figure out what song I want to play next. I want to just be able to listen to the radio. Right. And the radio give me this, you know what I mean? Yep, 100%. Without having, like, XM radio or something like that. Do you feel like living in the Midwest, we kind of push the country music and whatnot a lot here? Because that's what I see a lot. Yeah, you yeah know? but we are only 3% of the population. Mm-hmm. So that that's why. So I can't get mad at that. Country right. is what, you know what I mean, what, yep. what sells out here. So Absolutely. I can't, right. you can't be mad at that. But the thing is, hip-hop is here. Hip-hop has taken over the world, mm-hmm. right. the whole world. And why don't we have it here? We don't have a radio station here. The radio stations, they don't play hip-hop enough. The bars. When I started DJing, my number one thing was because we couldn't hear what we listened to on our phones in these clubs. They wasn't right. playing it. Right. I was the first person playing that our music in these clubs. Yeah. And I stood my ground, and that's why I've been blessed to be successful these six years at still having residency at Ben 201 and still being booked to do different gigs and stuff right. like that. I think that's dope because it just makes me think of how far behind Two Falls is. And it also gives me hope and like kind of makes me excited because there's so much opportunity out here to catch up to the bigger cities, mm-hmm. you know, because Sioux Falls is growing and you see it all the time. People going to Nashville or people going down to Austin or wherever it is and bringing back ideas from those places and bringing it here and having successful businesses. Right. I think that that's something that more people, especially in Sioux Falls, should really take advantage of is trying to travel for one and seeing what's out there. And if they have that entrepreneur mindset, finding out a way how they can bring it here. Yeah. Such as the Sufu tractor. Yeah. Uh, that was something that they got down in, in Nashville and, you know, they're booked out. Right. Thing. So it doesn't always have to be as hard as people think it does. So I want to move on to kind of the foundation that you've set and that's allowed you to continue to progress and grow daily. Um, I think there's one common, common thing that we all uh, do. We try and better ourselves each day. And by doing that, it's either reading listening to someone and one person that I feel like we all listen to is Bob Proctor. Sure. You know, yeah. I want to know exactly kind of how has he helped transform your life? Yeah, RP yeah. Bob. Yep. Yeah, man. Rest in peace, big Bob awareness. He's made me aware and he's made me actually think about positivity more mm-hmm. or think about my goals visualize my goals, visualize who I want to become, see that person that I want to become, walk as him like I'm him already. Right. You know what I mean? Give people the benefit of the doubt. It's just a lot. And he breaks everything down so easily, and then he gives you tests to try it. Yep. Right. I feel like everybody should have a little Bob Proctor in them, man. I completely agree. at least 30 minutes of your life. I agree. It definitely will help you. One of my favorite quotes by him is most people tiptoe through life hoping to make it safely to death. Mm-hmm. And that kind of yes. blew my mind because it's like we're all going to end up in the same place. Why are you trying to play it safe? Like it's time for us to take some risk and do things that are out of our comfort zone. And if I find myself kind of feeling 
in a rut or just feeling down or something like that and need some motivation, I'll go to Bob Proctor and he's going to tell you it's right inside of you. Right. Everything you need is inside of you. So stop looking outside of the in in the world looking for things um, because everything you need is is right there. Right. And to the younger generation, if you do, which I do suggest you look up Bob Proctor, the videos that you're going to see, they're going to be very outdated. But I'm telling you, the information that you're going to receive is going to take you to plenty of places, things that you've probably dreamed of and you've never actually taken the step to go there. And you're going to start taking those steps um, with it. I know one quote that I enjoy on his, it's thoughts become things. Once you see it in your mind, you can hold it in your hand. Mm. That's really resonated with me because there's one thing that I pride myself on and that's taking action in the things that I'm thinking of or that I want to achieve. And that's one thing that sets a lot of successful people apart is the action piece of it. There's so much information that that he has and it's available to you yeah, on YouTube. For free. You know, for free. Exactly. So free. guided meditations, uh, literally a whole series on what he's teaching. It's I highly suggest it as well. The last thing I can say should, it should have been the first is he taught me about paradigms. Mm, what is about, a paradigm? So a paradigm is a habitual, something that you do automatically. Right. You know what I mean? And how to break it and how to actually see that you are doing it. Right. So Those habits. Yeah, yep. those habits, breaking those habits. Because as the human race, we get comfortable and that creates habits. We get in those those pockets where we just comfortable at doing what we doing and Anything else that makes us feel uncomfortable, we don't want to do it. Right. It's so, that get, get yeah. by mentality. Yeah. You know, as long as I can get by through today, then I'm happy. That's how you fail every single day. You're failing yourself. You definitely got to so, look further than the short term. Right. You know, before we kind of move on to our next part here, I do have one question for you. It's kind of on that like failure and how you continue to drive yourself to succeed. And that's kind of what we've kind of built our platform on. And that's overstepping poverty. You know, how am I going to take the next step and how am I going to bring people along with me? And obviously overstepping poverty, we have different opinions on what it means to us. So I want to know exactly what overstepping poverty means to you. Overstepping poverty for me means my small journey that I told y'all about and to be here right now. I was a statistic. Let's be real. Like, I, I wasn't supposed to be where I'm at. But I came to Sioux Falls. I bumped my head a few times. And now I'm learning. So overstepping poverty to me is getting to the sidewalk or getting to the next block. Yep. You know yep. what I mean? Like, not letting your past dictate who you are or your future. That's big. Yeah. I feel like Nipsey myself and there's a few other people there's well there's a lot of people that stories probably ain't out there they've been through a lot to get to where they are yep i feel like those are the best people because they know what they know what this is over here mm-hmm. but now they're here so they can have compassion for these people over here right you know i mean it's hard to have compassion for people or things that you don't understand or know about right right you know, earlier before when I asked you, I said, hey, tell me about your resume. When I was asking that, I wasn't meaning actually on like your jobs, you know, oh, or anything yeah. like that. That resume, I believe, is is like your life story. You know, the things that 
people don't know about you. Cause like a resume when, for a job, yeah. the only time that you are ever using your resume is when someone asks for it. Right. right. And so yeah. your life story or anything like that, it's like your resume. Yeah. Like when someone's asking you for that life story, most of the times you don't just put that out yeah. there, right. you know? And yeah. so you, it's like, okay, well I've been here. These are the steps that I've been through to get to where I'm at today. That's the resume. That's what yeah. builds you. You know, that's, sure. that's that life that you made, you know, yeah. and created. It's hard sometimes to, to speak on your resume mm -hmm. because we live in a judgmental world. Mm -hmm. So people will see that instead of who I am today. Yep. Right. You know what I mean? Completely. So, yep. That's understandable there. And that's their own fault. You yeah, know, it is, but I'm a living Testament. So of somebody that can come where I came from and be a modern citizen in today's world. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's move into our next part of this episode here. I want to open it up to a round table. This is where you can ask us questions that you've thought of, come prepared to ask myself and Zacchaeus. I want you to fire away whatever's off the top of your head. What are some questions you have for us? What books are y'all reading right now? I'm reading Think and Grow Rich. Um, I think that's one that's that we're Bible. just going to keep that's reading over and over again. Yep. And then off the top of my head, I don't know why I can't think of it, but the book that I started today is about basically being comfortable with being unliked or disliked Ugh. Yes, and how it's important to be yourself, you know, because there are people that are not going to like you for who you are. And there's people that are going to love you for who you are. And Absolutely. I wouldn't want it any other way. That's what something I'm getting into. What about you? I've been jumping in between a couple of things here. One's going to be the think and grow rich. That, like you said, that's the Bible. That's a testament. Yeah. That's how that's you set your foundation off of that. Sure. Um, another one that I actually just ordered is Rich Dad Poor Dad. Yeah. I know that a lot of people have been telling me to get into that, listen to it. It also changed the way you think um, and the way you move. Of course, uh, moving forward there. And then the other is I'm in sale. I'm also reading Seller Be Sold, and okay. I mean it's pretty much a testament that. You are selling to people every single day yep. because if you get up and you go to work or anything like that, you have to be ready to do your job. You have to make sure that, I mean, you, you the other people are going to have a perception of you, right. whether you, you know, brought some baggage and you brought it to work or anything like that. You have to have a perception and sell people like, Hey, listen, I'm ready to go. This is my job. Everything on this end of it here comes first, even though mentally or anything like that, I know I have to take care of this as well. But at the end of the day, I mean, you're selling yourself. If you go into an interview, you're selling yourself, you know, um, when it comes to that as well. So I, I've really enjoyed that book as well because it's helped me through um, a lot of my sales career as well when I went into management um, for that. So what about you? Well, right now I'm reading Think and Grow Rich, I'm reading uh, The Power of the Subconscious Mind, mm. and I'm reading this book called The Memory Book. It helps you with your memory. Okay. So, yeah, I'm reading those three books, and I got three more right after. Yeah. <laughs> Very nice. Since we all t are reading it, what is it about for both of us, or all of us, I guess, what is it about Think and Grow Rich that makes, you know, why is that, quote unquote, the Bible? For you guys for me it explains everything it explains so much and and it's in depth like you know you had a bible but it's written a certain way to where you have to uh decode it sometimes right yeah but with thinking grow rich the one that i have it has like lessons in between the chapters that like has, a workbook. Have, yes that has you you know what I mean? Just to make sure you're getting this stuff. To be truthful, I think my thought process 
has been way better since I started reading this book. You know what I mean, I think yeah. I've been, become a better man. I think I'm a better husband, better father. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it explains life. And for for somebody not like me that was looking for like, what is this shit about, man? Like, really, what is it about? Like, you know, am I supposed to be doing this? Am I not supposed to be doing this? Am I doing it too much? Am I not doing it enough? Mm. And I think that book really puts a lot of stuff in perspective as far as a, a person wanting to succeed in life. And you just said it actually for like what I enjoy about it. It's that perspective. Um, and it allows people to have a different perspective, of course, with the chapters that they're reading. Like your book, um, just as well as mine, it has those lessons in between. And I guarantee you, you can ask 100 people once they end a chapter and they answer those questions, they're all going to have different different answers, of yeah. course, there. It makes it relate in, to you yeah. personally, you know, how, how you're going to be able to take the next step. You, not anyone else, how this person's doing it or anything like that. Right. It's teaching you to move forward, right. you know, so... Right. I think that book taught me that it does not matter where you come from mm-hmm. at all. That book put it into perspective for me that everything is in your own head. You know, thinking and growing rich has everything to do with what's going on on the inside more so than the outside. So sure. it gave me the confidence that I would, could tell anybody it doesn't matter where you come from, that you could be Absolutely. successful. You know, because there's still names that we see every day that you'll see in that book. And not all those guys started out wealthy. Right. You know what I mean? So. So people think to think and grow rich. They think the rich is the richest. What's rich is you knowing yourself, Mm -hmm. being aware, being aware when you know yourself and you can then you can live in peace with yourself. Right. And that's what minus the money. I wouldn't want no money if I could just live in peace and harmony with myself but you can't do that without money yeah well that's teach, what's messed up it, it teaches you though like on that when you find you know yourself and whatnot the money just it's, comes it along just with comes. it yeah exactly it so it comes yep. it comes but, bible tell you don't worry about the money no yep. uh-uh. don't worry how you, how you gonna get it that's gonna come your imagination should be you visualizing you already having it yeah right so, like he said, you don't work to the goal. You work from the goal. Right. Work backwards. Yeah. Thoughts become things. Yeah. Once you see it in your mind, yeah. you'll hold it in your hand. For sure. Facts. Yep. For sure. Do you have any other questions for us? Yeah. You know, I'm a DJ. I'm going to get on y'all ass about this music. <laughs> right. What y'all listening to right now? You know who I'm listening to. Oh. Now, I'm listening right now. Yeah. I've been listening to a lot of that little dirt with, with J. Cole, of course. J. Cole's my guy. But... I really been liking Friday. Yep. Friday. Yeah. He's fire. Yeah. And one of the, the young dudes that I've really been liking his music is Lil Tyler. Oh have yeah, you checked okay. him out? Yeah, yeah. My Florida. Son, my <laughs> yeah. son put me on him. He got a song called uh, uh, uh Law and Order or something. Yes. Yeah. My son put me on him. He be yeah. going in. I think and he got his own his own flow, his own style. I like it. I kinda jump around for mine. I mean, it just depends on the day. I usually Go between Friday. I've got Giveon. I've got NF, uh, J Cole, Drake. But I'd say like the biggest one currently. I don't, and it's probably because NF has a concert coming up in Omaha. Yeah. So I've been listening to NF and his new album and whatnot. I don't know. I I really I really like his music. So so if y'all was on an island by yourself, 
and could have only three albums. Three albums. For your eyes only. That's J. Cole. Okay. Yep. yep. J. Cole's album. Yep. All right, wait, is it is it for your eyes only, right? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, okay. I think, okay, yeah, I thought so. Is. Yep. So J. Cole's I do that. I would take NF's new album, Hope. I don't yeah, know why I'm like a, addicted to that, that album right now. And then I would also take Gosh, Friday's album. It was in 2021 he came out with it, right? Or he 22? just dropped one, I think. Another one? Mm-hmm. I need to. It's fire. Yeah, I need to, I need to listen so to NF, it. So. J. J. Cole, Cole and Friday. Friday. Yep. I'm going to go with Dark Skies Paradise is one of my favorite albums of all time by Big Sean. With the off season, I think that's J. Cole's best album. That's probably the one I would take with just because I feel like I can, whenever Cole drops something, I feel like he talking to me or something (laughs) for real. And then I got to get some R&B or something in there. What is, uh, I can't even think of the name. Also, one of my favorite, Bryson Tiller's first album. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Fire. Yeah, for sure. Um, So those are the three that I would take with me. What about you? I will have to have Whitney Houston's Greatest Hits. Michael Jackson, Greatest Hits, and Tupac, All Eyes on Me. All Eyes oh, yeah. on Me. Hey. That would be dope. Now that would just get me through whatever. <laughs> day, day, day to day. Yeah, it, it would get me through. That is crazy. With you mentioning Tupac and you just being from the West Coast, what was it like kind of being out there while he was doing his thing? Oh, man, it was it was great. The 90s were, man, you had to be there. Right. That's a hard question. That's kind of a hard question, but it just felt like more love. Mm. Like, I don't know. It just felt like the world was loving on each other a little more back then, even though the crime rate was up and all that. It just felt like Pac kept the West, held the West Coast down. Right. I mean, like, Mm -hmm. but I can't forget about E40 and people like that that held the West Coast down. Yeah. But, a lot of people think that I'm a West Coast head. When I was young, my big homies was from the East Coast, so I tapped in with a lot of East Coast music. Mm. You know, to me, lyrically, I know I'm gonna get lashed for this, <laughs> right. but lyrically, Biggie I think was a better rapper than Tupac. Mm. Like, you know what I mean? Tupac yeah. was more of a prophet poet. Mm. You know, Biggie was a rapper. Right. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah, I feel like Tupac had a good way of, I felt like just people bought in and people followed him. From my perspective, at least, it seemed like he was a voice for a lot of people that couldn't didn't have a voice. I talked to somebody about this, and it saddens me, man, because I feel like Nipsey was our last voice. Mm. Like, we don't have a voice anymore. We don't have anybody that's, like, back in the day, if you didn't have no father, I had my dad. And my mom, but if you didn't have a father, rap music was your father. Mm-hmm. You could listen to rap music and figure out what to do and not to do. And I just don't think we have that no more. Right. You know I me. Mean? We don't have one person that stands up for us as a people, as a race, as the human race. Yeah. Like a lot of people thought Pac was against white people and stuff like that. Nah, he was against oppression. He didn't like oppression. Right. And I really believe that this world would be different if he was still alive. Yeah. Man, he had a huge influence. That's for sure. For sure. Absolutely. You know, speaking on influence, I want you to go over some tips, tricks and hacks that you tell yourself when you're about 15, 16, you know, how you would 
take the next steps in over seven poverty? So the first thing I would tell my younger self is to believe in yourself. Mm. Because where we coming from, it that's so easy to get to get offset. You can be teased at school for not having cool shoes, but that will mentally make you think that you're not good enough. Right. So you have to believe in yourself. Yep. I think that's the first one. And the second one, people want to see you do good, but never better than them. So only take criticism from people you know that have your best interests at hand. Mm, I love that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's cool to take criticism from the right people that's giving it to you that love you. It's coming out of a place of love, mm-hmm. not hate. Right. Or not the other side of criticizing somebody. Because you can criticize somebody that you love. Then you can criticize somebody that you don't care about. You're just trying to tell them what to do. You're just giving your opinion on the situation. Right, right. I saw a quote on that today that said, don't take the critique if you wouldn't take their advice, is what it was. Right. And then the whole narrative is, oh, I'm not taking advice from somebody that don't have more than me or stuff like that. Fucking bum can, on the street can give you advice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A baby can give you advice. Yeah. So don't corner oh i'll only take advice from this no you know what good advice is and you know what bad advice is that goes back to the first one believe in yourself right yeah so my third one is don't get caught up with impressing people Mm. you know i had that as i'm writing this i'm telling this to myself right i've done that a lot trying to impress people that i'm around Right. You know, like a mirror, their reflection of me is what I perceive myself to be. And that's what a lot of people we do, whether we will admit it or not. A lot of people do that. Mm Right. Like whatever they say I am, that's what I am. No, you whatever you say you are. Fourth, love who loves you. Got to love who love you, man. It's only right. Anything else is if it ain't beneficial, it's artificial. Mm-hmm. In the words of Mozzie. Uh, in the like fifth, that. you become what you think about. Use your imagination to see where you want to go. Is that Bob Proctor? Yes. No, no, no. No? That's from him, but those okay. are my words. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah I like but that's, that. But I that, like that. Yeah, for sure. That's from yeah. him. That's one of the, that's why I typed it, because yeah. of him, for sure. Yep. For yeah. sure. I like that's that. That's fire. It I is. Love it. I want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank y'all. I appreciate y'all, man. Yeah, it was a blessing to have you. The great information that you shared. It takes a lot for somebody to come up here, get on camera, get on the mic, and be vulnerable. So I appreciate you for doing that. Daquan, great job as always. And I want to say thank you to everybody that listened, especially to this point, because that means you made it to the end. Keep tuning in. We really appreciate you guys, and we'll see you next time. Don't forget to like, share, and follow. Thank you guys so much. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Overstepping Poverty. We hope you found this week's discussion informative and thought-provoking. We know that tackling poverty is a complex issue, but by working together and understanding the root causes, we can make progress towards creating a more equitable society. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and family, and don't forget to subscribe to our show. Until next time, let's take the next steps in Overstepping Poverty.